Hello and welcome to our next episode of Vagabond Actors. I am Andrea Helene coming to you from Mallorca, Spain. And joining me are Brian Casp from Prague. Hi, Brian. Hello, Andrea. And from London, we have Gary Condis. Hello, Gary. Hello, Andrea. Before we get started, we always like to talk about some of the creative ventures uh, since we last spoke that we've enjoyed. What's happening in our creative lives? Brian, what's happening out there in Prague? I was working on a, an intensive course this week where we were taking some scene exercises and incorporating some on-camera technique, and it was very eye-opening for the students, and I think they liked it very much, actually, and learned quite a bit about how to fill the frame. Were they surprised by anything in particular? They were surprised by how, in a close-up, just having a thought, which is maybe not related so much to the words that you're saying, but something along a different line could do for them, how that opens up the possibilities that they have in terms of behavior. And I think they were surprised quite a bit in the wider shots that we that we were experimenting with, how much more free they could be with their body and how you can play with the amount of space that your body is taking up in the frame and and use that for some really interesting character moments. So it's not just walking from A to B, but how you go from A to B, how you get there, what your body does, really is a chance for you to have a moment of expression and behavior of how you walk and how you, how you express your, your character. That's really powerful stuff, though. I think when an actor gets, gets a clear sense of that, they tend to be really excited about getting in front of a camera again. Yeah, it's exciting. And I think that a lot of times people are so scared to overact or to overexpress that they, especially in a wide shot, will start to just talk and just say the words and just feel something inside and forget that actually it is a performance on some level, you know, and it can be really fun to actually play around with, okay, how, like, like Gary was saying in the, in the character podcast, how do I want to express this? How do I want to use my instrument to express this moment? And I think that that's really special when you start to give yourself permission to do that. Do you think they lost some fear of the camera? Did, did any of them have that to begin with? For sure. When you first sit down and we were looking at a close up, and there were lights and there were chairs set up for steering wheels and things like that, it felt very boxy and you felt very constricted in the frame. And then as you, we went on, they started to focus more on their partner. They started to listen more. They started to be able to think about something other than there's this glass eye staring at me. And so I think that for sure they, they started to lose their fear of messing up in front of this thing that's recording their every move. I like that. We worked in this workshop recently in Mallorca on something that we don't really have in the U.S. market. Um, where they, where generally an actor has demo reels, we call them in the U.S. market. Show reels uh, is more commonly the term in, in Europe. So generally speaking, on the digital casting sites in the U.S., you have your demo reels. And in Europe, and particularly in Germany, they have this something called About Me's. Are you too familiar with the About Me videos? Yes, indeed. Yeah, a little expose of the actor. 
Yes, exactly. Where the casting person has a chance to see maybe some other colors or get to know the energy of the actor a little bit better. They share a story or a little biography piece. And so our guest casting director was helping the actors to tape about me videos and giving some feedback. And one of the actors who's very, very good came to me and he said, you know, I've done these before and I've never been satisfied. And I said, well, what, what was the problem? And he said, I just I think a part of me didn't want to do them. You know, felt a little resentful of the format, essentially. And I said, you know, what if you just really make that choice that this is a, there's a secret about you that you've decided to share with the camera and, and come at it from that angle and really just, you don't have to plan anything that you're going to say, but just know that there's something intimate about you that you've made the determination to share with the camera. He said, okay, that's right. And he did beautifully. And I, I think sometimes it's just that relationship with the camera, being able to see fully who you are. When you make that decision, some beautiful things can happen. Yeah. Also, when you have a task, if it's just talk about yourself, it feels more exposed in a way. You're focusing inward on yourself and your own story. But when you're having a doing or an action where yeah. you're talking to someone else and you kind of focus on that, then all of a sudden it turns back into the thing that you know, which is the acting part of it. That's right. But I think we've neglected to introduce one yes. of our well, I three know musketeers. We, yes, here's my third <laughs> musketeer, Gary Condon London. Gary, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Not at all. I was very interested in, in uh, hearing that little extrapolation of Brian's work on camera. So uh, I'm just, you know, putting a few sugars in my cup of tea and listening. So, um, uh -huh. And this week I've had a, a real sort of influx of castings and self-tapes for productions that are going back into production or picking back up. Um, and one of them being Batwoman season two, which is uh, quite a lot of fun. And another one today in particular was um, Jack Ryan, the TV series Jack Ryan, season three Great. is starting up. So I was um, I was coaching someone for that. And a really interesting one that has come in, which I'm going to be doing um, tomorrow, is um, the Hungarian film director, Laszlo Nemes, I think his name is, or Nemes. I don't know how to pronounce it, so excuse me. But Laszlo Nemes, he's, he was known for Son of Saw, which was in competition at the 2015 Cannes Film Festival and won the Grand Prix and was also the first Hungarian director who won a Golden Globe for Best Foreign Language Film for that film, Son of Saul. So I'm getting back into things that are closer to things that are happening on the front line rather right. than just, you know, Zoom classes, which are all, don't get me wrong, very good, but um, it's great to be having things that are happening uh, and, you know, need to be dealt with because there is a goal at the end of it. Some of them have been working with me on classes, so it's like, it's actually, I've noticed, um, whereas maybe six months ago, there'd be, um, yeah, I can't quite figure out what's going on here. And I'm going, well, look, and I'll take them through the steps. They're, they're, coming, they're coming in and going, well, look, so what she wants is this, and what she's going after is this, and these obstacles are this. And, and yeah. um, I feel like the moment before, it has to be something to do with. And so, yeah, they seem to be answering their own questions, which is, which is good. When a student of yours who might be taking some test flights around from tree to tree, you really feel like they're ready to fly the coop. They're ready to get out there and you're providing extra insight, but they're doing a lot of the heavy lifting of the work. They, they don't, they're not relying on you as much. 
Absolutely. Maybe as a, as a sounding board or as someone to just be an extra pair of eyes, but there's a, that's a really great feeling as a coach to watch someone go, actually, I don't think I need you to really take me through all the steps. I just wanted to double check with this. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's the difference between a teacher and a coach. And you've kind of just, you know, outlined uh, one of the main differences for me is, you know, you can call yourself a coach and you can implement and there's a lot of cross pollination and referencing, you know, but there's a necessity sometimes to get people to understand the elements and the tools and the utility of things. And you're getting them to understand that before they can actually do it. But what I think what you're talking about, and which is really uh, rewarding and also uh, a different a different focus, is that when people have that, they understand the practicality and the utility of their tools and they can implement them. It's just they need a sounding board, like you say. They need someone to to just adjust them, to push them, to motivate them. And, you know, and that... Just someone from the outside. Yeah. Just like more of a director. Yeah. And, and throw in ideas... Um, maybe left field that they haven't sort of thought of because they're following a a bit of a sort of tick boxing procedure. Yeah. You become a bit more of a, 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 a coach, you, you know, in the, in the, maybe the sporting sense. So, so yeah, there's, that's also, um, something that is, is recognizable and that you're right. It's, it's a, it's really good. Don't you think of a, a rewarding as a coach when you've worked with these people in class, these actors, and they're starting to get it. And yeah. they're asking something different from you also. Yeah. Um, and, and that changes, the dynamic changes. I think working with a coach is a, is a good thing and, and, and should be a lifelong thing if you want to keep on top of things and be fresh and keep pushing the boundaries. But by the same virtue, you shouldn't be attached to your coach's apron strings. Either. Right, you shouldn't be relying on them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Andrea? What have you experienced this past week? I've been doing some preparations for uh, classes that I'll be beginning here, Meisner classes. Exciting. Yes. So looking at some spaces, deciding where we want to hold our courses, speaking with students, um, considering, you know, beginning a whole new program, what my goals are what my expectations are. It's all, it's all good stuff. And um, also helping to engage in planning for some upcoming intensive workshops that we have in September, October, December with acting teachers and casting directors coming in from other countries. And um, I think it's going to be really exciting. So there'll be some good things planning this, uh, this fall and winter. And then I have some plans for next summer, too, to bring some people down here. So we're hoping to really bump up some the people named happenings. Gary and Brian. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we're hoping to bump up the creative uh, offerings here. There's, it's a huge creative community in Mallorca. And uh, I think there are a couple of little openings for a certain level of ongoing education for lots of different ages. So I'm doing some work to fill those holes. That's fantastic. Ooh, yeah. Sowing seeds. Yes. Yes. This episode of the Vagabond Actors Podcast is brought to you by our friends at We Audition. Now look, we all know that auditioning in a pandemic sucks. You can't find the right partner, and if you do find the right partner, how are you going to connect with them in real time and have the read be seamless? Well, We Audition can help with that. They make it easy to find a partner and they take care of all of the technical stuff so that you can focus on what really matters. 
your audition and being awesome. Not only does We Audition allow you to find partners that can help you really kick ass, you can be a partner that helps other people really kick ass and get paid for it. There's other really great benefits to being a We Audition member. You can have one-on-ones with top casting directors, you can get career advice from industry professionals, and a lot more. Right now, We Audition is offering a discount on membership to Vagabond Actors listeners when you sign up with the promo code VAGABOND25. So just go to weaudition.com, click on sign up, then click on the link where it says promo code. Put VAGABOND25 in the box and you'll get 25% off your membership. Now, back to the show. So today, we don't have one main topic that we wanted to discuss. What we have are a buffet of some of the challenges that we might have faced on the job, either as an actor on a set or as a coach working with actors, and to say, well, this is the challenge that I had and describe it a little bit, and this is how I solved it or what I thought about it, and to ask each other, what do you think of that? What would you have done in that situation? And hopefully those little bite-sized challenges that we're going to talk about are going to be helpful for you guys listening to it of what yeah. you might what you might do and what you might be facing going into your work. So Gary, why don't you kick it off with uh, a bite-sized challenge, or maybe it could be a bigger challenge, I don't know, but uh, a, a challenge that you faced in your work either as an actor or as a coach or a teacher. Sure. Well, it all depends on how big one's mouth is, depending on how big the bite is, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> so, you know, bite-sized challenge is the right phrasing, but how much of a bite that is depends on what's to come. So, well, Hopefully you didn't choke on it. <laughs> that's, you know, that's the holy grail is not to choke on yeah. that. That is it. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind, and I'd like to put this to you, and I think it's something that happens a fair amount And that is a coaching client of mine was on a big TV series and we prepared and coached him and and he was all ready to go. And it was a recurring role. So he was in it for a couple of seasons. Um, So he knew what he was doing in terms of the character. But the actress playing opposite him, he had a few occasions where he would do his thing uh, or they would rehearse or they would shoot. And there were times where an object or a prop was involved, or a piece of action where he was directed to sit down or stand up or whatever. And there was a heated argument involved. And at the end of a take, the actress playing opposite him would direct him and say, would you mind doing this? Can you do this? When Mm. you do this, can you do this? And I think that happens a lot. And I'd just be interesting to see what you guys think about that what your answer would be to the actor who's who's facing those problems, i.e. having another actor basically direct them. Mm. But I asked him what he was, and he's experienced, so he said no. He said I was polite, and I got in a no sort of altercation, and I didn't intend to, and I said as politely as possible, I said no, because this is what I've been asked to do, it fits, And I think that it's great if we can try and just work off each other and find it. Mm -hmm. And that's what he relayed back to me, what he said to her. So, yeah, I'm sure that's not a new thing that you've heard about. No, that's pretty common, I think. Mm -hmm. Right. And he said, I was going to say, 
you know, if you have a real problem, speak to the director. But he didn't need to get into that because she kind of backed down. Mm. And I just think it's a really, really good uh, uh, lesson in, and I'm sure we've touched on it before, but it's it's that balance, isn't it, of discipline, of being directed, of, of sticking to the discipline of direction and making it work and yet bringing your life and everything that you need to happen, happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think about about that situation and have you come across it yourself either as an actor or uh, as, a, as a director or as a coach? I've come across that. I think the actor whom you're mentioning handled it really, really well. For better or worse, I tend to be a more gray than black and white person in many of these circumstances. So my brain would calculate, okay, who's a director? What are our roles here? Am I a day player? Am I a longer relationship? Is this, you know, like what's the extent of my involvement in the project? What's sort of the balance of our value in this project to be quite honest, you know, and what's the value that I put on the direction I'm being given by my castmate here is there something in it that's interesting and maybe he or she just doesn't know how to bring it across or is it really all hooey? Um, you know, like I kind of, in those situations, I find that I do a really, really quick calculation. It's a little bit political and a little bit creative at the same time, trying to find my way through how am I going to handle this, this situation. So, um, I think if I, if I didn't feel comfortable to say what this actor said, then I would probably try and find a way to say, well, that's, that's really interesting. We could play around with that. I'm, I'm open to that. Maybe we, why don't we do a take like that? And then if we have the room, let's just sort of let, let go of our ideas of it and, and play with it. You know, I, I may try and find a way to honor the request and see how that goes and see how that impacts her performance mm-hmm. um, Is she really better under those circumstances or is this some sort of, self-serving ego-based piece you know like I, I may just have to assess it for myself and 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 see if I think it's worthwhile pursuing or or not it has generally served me well to say we can explore that but it depends whose dime we're on and how expensive each minute of shooting is and <laughs> if I really have any say in the production at all and what my relationship is with the person who has directed me Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the diplomatic approach by the sounds of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, trying to solve it with the least amount of fuss, which is, I yeah. think is, is admirable. And I think is probably the default to go mm-hmm. because there's so many eggshells you could tread on in a, yeah. in a on set. Right. Yeah. Um, that at least tries to tackle the situation while keeping the whole intact, that's which right. is an admirable way of going about it. If you can use your energy in that way, Brian, what about, what about you? What do you think about it? Well, I think it's something that comes up quite a bit, actually. And I think it kind of depends on, is it a technical problem that's happening? Like, for instance, I've had it where to one extent or another, it will help out the other actor technically to do what they have to do if I do my thing earlier or later or a step to my left or my right, right? And and that kind of thing sometimes can be worked out actor to actor without needing to ask the director and that's going to mean that the director talks to the cinematographer right. and that means that they're going to have to talk to the AD and it's a whole... and it, that. 
that can become a whole thing mm-hmm. of adjusting what's really set up when if you just say, hey, if you just on that line, if you could just lean a little bit on your left and that would help me because my eye line or whatever, this is, is more comfortable. I think that that's one aspect of it. If it is, hey, your performance needs to change because that's affecting my performance, then it really depends on how much I feel like I can be flexible in terms of my idea of telling the story and the collaboration or the discussions that have gone on with myself and the director when we've been rehearsing the scene prior to that. And if there's a performance thing that comes up that wasn't discussed with the director that I feel like, hey, I don't think that's the right way, then I probably would say a no or I'm sorry, we we should talk to the director about this or something like that. So I think it's, it depends on if it's, if it's performance related or really technical, but that kind of not, you know, just a little bit of like, Hey, I, I've been on set with a lot of very experienced people. And if they say, Hey, this will work better for you. If you try it this way, I'm, I'm going to probably listen to them. And similarly, I've been on set with people who are, maybe doing something where I go, Hey, you know, if you're, if you, if you just hold a moment there, then that's going to sell that line better. And, but if they don't do it, I'm it's not like I'm saying oh, I need this for my performance. And, and certainly in any acting class, uh, you'll hear this a lot. It's not your job to direct the other actors. You leave the, you leave the other actors performance to the director to give the note. And it is a taboo thing to, to direct other actors. And so I think your client was certainly within his rights to say, no, I'm not doing that. And so you, I think you want to tread carefully on it. If it's a friendly kind of thing of saying, Hey, if you just hold, if you just hold for a second there and then turn towards the camera, that's going to sell that really a lot better than I think for me, I don't have a really a problem with doing that. I think like Andrea said, you have to play it by ear. If you are there for the day uh, and you're in the, in the scene with the lead, you probably don't want to be telling them what to do. Uh, <laughs> similarly, if the, if you're in the, there for the day and the lead tells you, uh, let's say the lead tells you in a friendly way, in a, in a constructive way, hi, if you, if you do this moment a little bit differently, that would work better. You probably would want to listen to them. If you're kind of on the same level, or if the person says it to you in a rude way, then you might want to go to the director to, uh, to to talk it out or just say, no, I'm going to do my thing that we agreed on in rehearsal. That's, that's where I come down on it. Yeah. I I mean, absolutely. I think, um, what I really like about what you said is the necessity to differentiate between something technical or creative. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, if it's technical, you know, excuse me, do you mind every time you step forward, you stand on my foot? (laughs) (laughs) Then of course, you know, absolutely. Or, you know, uh, sorry, but the director needs me to look there. And every time you, you know, you're in the way and, and, uh, you know, just to remind you that I need to do that because, you know, that's, and it's like, oh yeah, of course. And that that was a technical stuff. And, and, and that I totally agree. And I think that's that you're in your rights to say that because there is a guidance from the director that needs to be adhered to. Maybe people forget. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if a master actor, you know, Kate Blanchett, Meryl Streep, Al Pacino goes, listen, you know, this little bit here, why don't you try that? Because what I'm seeing is this. And if you really, yeah, then you're, 
Yeah. You're in a master class, Nen. <laughs> like, thank you for yeah. that Thanks. wisdom. You know, yeah. I'm going to go tell me more. In fact, for, yeah. you know, in fact, the director can go for a cup of tea and you just, yeah. you know, yeah, absolutely. I think there's that. But <laughs> what, what was happening here, actually, now that I remember the detail, was um, she asked him to push her at a certain moment so she could be thrown onto a, onto a, a, a sofa or at least she could, mm. she could, and, and that wasn't directed. And, you know, um, there was a conflict between them, but she wanted to add him pushing her. Oh, uh, but that should go through the director. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of large motion like that or yeah. large behavior like that, that needs to go through the director. Cause that, that's exactly, that's going to play on a whole bunch of different levels. Yeah. differently. Yeah. Exactly. It's that's a creative thing that you are interfering with and you are telling an actor to do something differently creatively than is 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 there. Uh, if something happens or, you know, going back to the podcast that we talked about where you are working with an actor who sucks or isn't giving you what you feel you need or isn't giving you anything or any of the above, then it's the question is, again, is what are you doing in order to get what you want from the other actor. So, you know, mm-hmm. create something where you might get a moment where he pushes you onto the sofa, you know? So build it in. Don't don't start talking about it and directing it and, and starting to alienate other actors. Is maybe try it out and maybe justify a push onto the sofa. That's creative work. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I agree. I think if in doubt... And it's not technical that you can solve is first, first of all, address, address it to the director, address it all to the director. Actors have lots of time between setups where they are hanging out. And if an actor has a problem and says, Hey, you know, that moment, um, what if you just pushed me there? And, and if you're thinking, well, that might be interesting. It's not a problem to say, Hey, let's try that. Let's, let's see what happens there. If you're, if you're into it. You won't lose anything by trying it, especially on camera. I mean, you could do it. You could, if you were up for it, you could do it in a take. And if it's wrong, you could do it differently on the next take. There's no harm, no foul there if you're into it. And if the director's cool and you say, hey, we're going to play around with this moment here. And they go, yeah, sure. Or they might want to get involved and say, well, what is it? And you say, well, we want to do this push. And he says, great, let's set it up this way. You know, that there's nothing wrong with that. Um, It's when... It's when the actor says, you have to do this thing in order for me to have my moment. That's when the problem happens. Instead of saying, hey, would you mind if we tried next time doing this? Then that's acceptable. But to say, in that moment, I need you to do this. That's not. Yeah. um, But I also, I I personally think, can you do this is also not acceptable myself. I, I, and I mean, it definitely is about degrees and it's all relative of what kind of relationship you have. But sure. if I, I, you know, and that you're right. I, I, I think there is a difference between, Hey, shall we try this? That's a, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a warm approach. That's a, that's a inclusive approach. Then can yeah. you do this? Absolutely. Yeah. But I still think things are so delicate in a, in a onset and so pressured if you acknowledge that it is collaborative, which it is, then I think you need to bring in the director and kind of go, hey, look, I've got this idea. Maybe you speak to the actor first and say, I've got this idea about this moment. I'd like to share it with the director and see whether it's worth trying or not. Then you bring, yeah. and ultimately he's the boss or she's the boss. And, and it's like, yeah, try it out or no, um, I like to keep it as it is. And then that's done. 
It's, it, yeah. I think you're right. It's, it's a gray area, as Andrea says. But I would just go, look, in order to save time and any problem, it's just like, hey, there's nothing wrong with coming out with ideas, but I think they need to be put out there during the rehearsal with the director. And then if there is something during the shoot or the, the shooting of the scenes, then it's, it's like maybe you go, hey, I've got this idea. I'm just going to run it by the director, see what he thinks. Because then you aren't making it such a personal, I'm telling you, or even if you're not telling them, it, there's no danger of it being interpreted that way. I w- okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here with, with the thing that happened on set. So I was shooting a movie where I was number three on the call sheet. So one of the leads, right? And we were shooting one of the climactic scenes where there's a big confrontation with um, the person who was playing my wife. And the way that the scene had been rehearsed and the way that she wanted to do it was that I was supposed to finish the scene really upset with her because that was going to help her moment and that she would be at my mercy basically in the scene and i went along with it because it was kind of well (laughs) i can hear it in your voice how excited you were about that choice (laughs) well i mean it was the end of a long day and i went with it because i was being a good soldier and because that was what we kind of had rehearsed but when we we were rehearsing the scene right before we shot it but at the rehearsal and as we were doing it more and more i started to feel something's not right here. And I started to think about the subsequent scenes in the film and where I felt like we needed to be at the end of this scene that we were shooting to get to the next time we see us in the, in the, in the film. And I normally, because normally I am not one of the leads in the show, I'm not number three on the call sheet. I'm usually there for a small number of days and I, and it's not my place to say, Hey, I want to do this differently. Mm-hmm. But in this one instance, after we had shot the master and we had, sh- and we had started to sh- shoot coverage, m- us doing it this way, where I was really cowing her and she was really scared of me. I said, you know, we were getting into coverage and I said to the director, I said, I said, I, I think, w- I think we need to talk about this scene and do it differently because I think that she actually needs to manipulate me and get me on her side by the end of this scene because what we're going to do next in the story is something where we are on the same page together. Mm -hmm. And if we finish in this place where we are now with her completely terrified of me and me really extremely angry at her, Mm -hmm. that's going to be a really tough transition. And so that was a case where... I was the one who was saying, we have to do this differently. You know, I said, um, I said it to the director, but I also said it with the authority of someone who was a lead in the show and said, I, we really need to do this this way and at least try it, at least shoot one or at least rehearse one and see what happens. Um, and so that was some issue that came up for me in my work, which was the scene is going in a direction that as you do it, you go, this isn't right. And so how do I, how do I deal with it? Um, so that's, that's from the other direction. Now I did talk to the director, but I did say it in a way that was like, not exactly saying, could we do this please, but we are going to do this. Yeah. 
it, but it sounds like what you're talking about there is for the greater good. Now, I suppose. I think everyone who does that, though, is probably coming from a greater good standpoint. Yeah, but there's, I think there's a difference between an inability to, to adjust or an, a necessity for something to happen for you to, to have a reaction. Uh, rather, I think there's a difference between that and an, uh, an understanding of storytelling, mm-hmm. which is it seems that what you, you are drawing on. Also, as a lead actor, there is, you know, uh, as as Gary Oldman said when he played Dracula with Francis Ford Coppola, he kept getting into fights with him. He said, "Listen, I'm not trying to be difficult, but I've got a vested interest. the the the, t- the film's called Dracula, and I am playing Dracula." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, I think maybe you know you're coming from that from a place of knowledge, and you've talked about the story of the, the where it fits in to the story at large. And I think mm-hmm. I think. You have a vested interest in, in, in that. And also you're flagging that up, it seems yeah. to me. You're flagging something up which is actually people's maybe seem to be missing. Yeah. yeah. And there's an intelligence there about, hold on a minute, actually this works on its own in in microcosm, but actually now we think about it and now we've done it, uh, yeah, it doesn't it don't I don't think we need to do this in order for it things to make sense, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe is still very different to can you do this so I can do this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is, but it also meant me saying basically to her, you need to start manipulating me. I was saying it through the director, but that's what I was saying to her is you need to actually take charge of my fury because I came into the scene furious with her Mm -hmm. and she needed to turn that and turn me onto her side, which is kind of, directing her to do it differently yeah but you say you went for the director that's a significant difference well of course but i also was like this is this needs to happen you know what i mean like it wasn't like could we please do this but but anyway it's i think that the larger the larger challenge is well what do you do when you feel like the scene isn't being rehearsed or it isn't going and it isn't serving uh the larger story because sometimes you know, you can get directors where the cast goes, well, I don't think this is serving the story. And the director says, no, well, this is how we're doing it. I had a similar situation uh, as, a, as a theater director with the play that I was directing. And it's a four-person play. And the lead actress really needed to have a torrent of emotional investment in the material and in her circumstances about political issues and about personal relationships in the story. And she needed to take everything personally. And in many ways, the actress who was playing the role was, was really right for it. When she was in the right place emotionally and invested, she had some brilliant stuff. But she got into a place shortly after we opened the show of, some complacency and just really not bringing the stakes. And I had to find a way to, for lack of better language and force, um, an expectation of you need to go all out and you need to be preparing backstage for at least a half an hour before you come out and then watching her do all sorts of other things during the preparation time, being on the phone da, 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 being in a funny mood mm-hmm. and then all of this stuff. And it did not serve her in any way whatsoever. And the whole play would sink if she didn't fully commit to her emotional preparation. And 
finally I had to, and I mean, I, I was as clear as I could be. I think she was even smoking weed before she went on. So she was so relaxed. She, and I was like, this, wow. this, the play cannot work if you can't commit to this. And her castmates noticed it and knew about it, but they couldn't within the story, they couldn't make it happen for her. And so finally I said, okay, I'm going to tape, I'm going to tape one of the performances. And I had to tape a performance and then have them all sit down together and watch it and come to clear terms with the fact that it wasn't working as a story unless certain things happened. And it was a, it was a difficult moment as a director. It was the only time I really had to, had to do that, but it really rose and fall on what, what our lead actress brought to the table and then how everybody else was able to work off of her. But hmm. yeah, I had to, I had to have some come to Jesus moments there. That was challenging. So what was the upshot of once you showed her the, the recording of how she was being? Cause I presume you tried to get through to her with direction and, and yeah. try and think out that didn't work. Right. So you had to, you know, be a bit harder, you know, but that's also a good tool to use. You recorded it and going, look, have a look for yourself rather than getting on the attack, which I'm sure you're very capable of, Andrea. Mm-hmm. I think you try everything else first. Yes. You know, she saw it. They all saw it. And I asked for a certain commitment of time and energy to every performance. And I reinstated a rehearsal schedule that we'd had early on in the, in the production's life and pretty much laid down that if we couldn't get to where we had been, early on, then we were going to have to shut the show down. So I had to, I had to really be very clear with here's where it was, here's where we are now. And this is, this is what we need to do to to save this. So I think she saw it. She got it. She was pissed off at me, which of course I didn't want to happen, but I also didn't want her to fail. You know, I wanted the show to succeed. I wanted the story to succeed. And I wanted her to succeed wildly because she had it in her. Um, I wanted her to feel proud of her work and, um, and excited by it. So she pulled herself up by her bootstraps and and cranked out some more shows. But we ended earlier than I, than I hoped to because she was still, she was still in struggle with herself. I could see it. And, um, and, and you have a time, you have a window. Of, of faith and trust among castmates. And it's a precious time. And when that trust breaks, um, it's, it's very difficult to put it all back together again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you took a very pragmatic approach and you tried everything possible. You kind of, if through a process of elimination and you got there, mm-hmm. but then the bigger problem of the actress herself, which is something that you could not do anything about by the end of it all. That's right. No, I mean, it really was up to her. I could do a great deal for her, but she's the one who had to show up every day. Yeah. Yeah. Distraught, destroyed, angry, uh, determined, a fighter. She was a, it was a, a radical racial movement kind of play. It was in the environment of a repertory company uh, at Playhouse West. And so it ultimately was always intended to be a learning exercise to do the performances. But um that was a very challenging moment. Well, it does sound like there needs to be a, a little bit of light shined on a particular thing that was getting in the way. Yeah. Great that she could light her fire. That was needed for this sort of um, extreme and tempestuous play. But at the same time, if you can't 
continue it and keep it going. And, and there's something there, isn't it, in one's development, in one's instrument that needs looking at. Yes. You have a director's story? Yeah, it's different, actually. But it's, I, I mean, mine was purely the actress disagreed with the choice. And what it was, I was doing a play and the issue was the character was a university professor and she'd had an affair with a young man many years before or a few years before. And the young man comes back and says, sorry, and all the rest of it. And she'd invested a lot in it. And you could say, if we're talking about character and certain aspects of who she was, she was very educated. She was a professor. With that comes a high intellect and perhaps intellect over emotion, right? Or at least that's what is on the mask she wears. And the young guy comes back and the young guy is going around, going to his ex-girlfriends, apologizing before he gets married, apologizing for being a jerk and not following through with their relationship. One of the circumstances he left in the middle of the night without her knowing. So there was no goodbye. There was no official breaking it off. He just left her high and dry. And she had to deal with the repercussions of the gossip in her university and they meet in this hotel room and they talk about their relationship and she has these big monologues and there was a lot of resentment there or at least there's a possibility for a lot of resentment and hurt and in these speeches it talks about the part and how he left her and and what what she does is she makes him sleep with her one more time in order to get her own back and to gain control over the situation and I was saying, we need to see you break when you revisit these things to, to reveal what such an impact he had on your relationship, on your life, by just running out on you. Mm-hmm. And also how much you loved him and how much it mattered. So before it became an issue, it was like, you know, what does this really mean to you? We really need to reveal here at this moment in time, how much all of this meant to you. And look, whether there's tears or not, that's a bonus. But I'm not saying you have to cry. But what I am saying is, is this is big. And you are trying to make him feel so guilty because what happens next is he jumps into bed with her and he's just there to apologize. He doesn't want to get into bed with her. So for me, if you really look at the scene and the journey, in order for him to feel so guilty, he has to see what he's done to her. Mm-hmm. And that requires her to, sh- to to be in bits about how he treated her. Mm-hmm. It's nicely following on from our last episode uh, about character, but she had a bee in her bonnet about she's a strong woman, she wouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we talked about. This is an idea of character, an idea yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. of what a character should be, a strong, intellectually-minded, power woman intellect of a professor. And she insisted, she was like, no, but that's the character. And I'm going, it may well be. But in this moment in time, we need to reveal something, one, to the audience about how it really felt to you. Otherwise, this revenge will make no sense. Mm -hmm. And secondly, you have to do something here significantly, which changes the other character's mind about sleeping with you, because he's not about to. Mm -hmm. But perhaps if he sees you in bits and how much of a devastating effect it had on you, then he'll feel so guilty that he'll just do it to get it done and get out of the room. But it wasn't happening. How I dealt with it was, okay, I didn't talk about what I wanted. I just said, well, let's look at how much this means to her. What does that mean to you? What if your husband did this to you? All of the things that we do in order to make Mm. moments meaningful. 
And she'd get upset when we did this in rehearsal. And I thought, okay, we're on our way there. But then the next time she'd come in and go, you know, I thought about that and I don't think she would do this. And it's like a classic thing of my character would do this. You know, and in the end, it was just one of those. And I had to kind of go, well, look, I disagree. And I think you're robbing the audience of a meaningful moment here of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And you're robbing yourself, the actress, of a moment of revelation and also experiential life. So there's two things. You, the actress, you, the actress, mining your art. And also, two the technical aspect of storytelling for the audience. This isn't for you. This is for the audience. And I kept saying, this is my reasoning behind this Mm -hmm. choice. Mm -hmm. But no. And eventually, I I have to be honest, eventually there's only so much you can do. And ultimately, you tell me what you think about this, because this is very interesting when you look at it from a behavioral point of view, Mm -hmm. is I said, I think you're shit scared. Yes of getting into relationship breakups. Yes. And she broke down. And I went, that's all I want. That's it. That's the truth of you. And you're putting up a a wall against it. Now, I understand it. So let's do this together and I'll take you through gently. You've got to trust me. But no, the wall kept coming back up. And in the end, I had to concede and go, you know what? I've tried I've done the best I can. It's not quite where I want it to be, but I've got to put my attention elsewhere and I can't waste Mm -hmm. all my time on this. Mm -hmm. And it made her angry because I said, what you're dealing with is not the problem of the character. You're dealing with the problem of your unresolved problems with breakups. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, it's like being in class. I was felt like I was in class and, and I'm sure you, you've experienced this being in class gave me the ammunition to do this and also the levity to do it. Yeah. And she was in bits. I said, now do this. Now do pick it up in the middle of the scene and do it. And she did it. And I was like, see, it makes complete sense. And I said to the other actor, I said, when she asked you and or forced you or wanted you to go and to sleep with her now, he was like, I felt so bad. I felt so bad about what I'd done to her. I just wanted her to, to make, make amends. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to get into bed with her. Mm-hmm. I'm going, well, there you go. Yeah. But again, you know, what, uh, <laughs> it's, it's amazing what a night's sleep does to you because then the shackles were back up. Um, so I had to concede that, you know, we got about 70% there and, and that was it. And sometimes that happens. Yeah. I wonder how she thinks about that now. Working with that asshole director. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you know, it's, oh, that, you know, I see she probably still has nightmares about it, but it was, you know, it, it's just this sense that, you know, you're not letting me be creative. And it's like, mm. yes, but you're not listening to the story. Yeah. And you're hanging on to an idea that is mentally constructed. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I get a feeling that it wasn't thought of again. It was just pushed down and away. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing was when one of the reviews was lovely characterization, but would have loved to have seen more vulnerability. Yes. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I always feel like the interesting part of watching drama or comedy has it as well, but it's not watching people who are only strong or watching people who are only broken. It's watching the transition between strength to vulnerability and back again. Mm-hmm. That's what's really interesting. That's what's really mm-hmm. cathartic. And you know, it's what? not one or the other. Yeah, absolutely. And if you've got a play, TV episode or film worth its salt, you'll go through all of that. Yeah. You know, yeah. pretty much in one way or another or some shape or form. Because it's a journey, right? People go on a journey of struggle most of the time in a sort of classic story. 
I mean, you take any film and people are going on a journey and there's pretty much in every piece a, a scene where people are in conflict, uh, a scene where people are making up, a scene where people are having a great time, where there's tragedy, you know, and that's life and that's humanity. Yeah. Well, that's drama for sure. Absolutely. Hopefully it's life where you get to experience a lot, but some people don't, I guess, or some people don't let themselves experience it in the case of your actress there, maybe. But it seems like uh, it seems like what we're talking about here and what I what I probably it would be would have been great to go back and redo the beginning of this, but it's like giving direction and taking direction. And how that works, and especially when you might not agree with with the direction that you're given. Mm-hmm. One of the things that came to mind around these challenges, and I love your hashtag construction happens. That maybe that's our episode name. Construction <laughs> happens, people. Was revolving around a, f- a feature film that I was a part of early on in the in the process. The director constructed these three intersecting stories around six main actors. And at least one actor from each story had an interaction with one other actor in another story. So he derived the storylines based on extensive interviews with the actors whom he wanted to work with. So we were several months into doing a Meisner-based approach to the screen, to the script development which was doing improvisations, finding moments, and they were taped and he took notes and uh, developed the script directly out of the moment-to-moment work we were exploring. So I loved my storyline. I still love my storyline. And the actor who was playing my husband was also a producer on the film, a dear, dear man and a wonderful actor. And ultimately, he had to pull out of the project for for a number of reasons. So we had to recast the role. And the director and I had interviews with a number of actors, all extremely capable. We met with another actor who was clearly, I would say, about 10 years younger than me. And um, we hit it off very, very well. And we ended up casting him. And I noticed during the course of the shoot that scenes that had been constructed with somebody whom I knew very well and who was closer in age to me, uh, the development of our relationship was extremely specific at the time to the two actors. So I had to make some adjustments based on the recast. And I faced a couple of moments of noticing that the story was leaning differently because of the new actor. Whereas in the storyline, we're having frustration in our marriage, we're facing infertility, and he ends up having a dalliance with another young woman in the neighborhood. And in the original exploration of the piece, it really was never a question of whether he loved me. And... In the recast, I really sensed from the actor's portrayal that he was one foot out the door. And part of it was the age difference. And it really impacted my performance. I mean, emotionally, you know, because I was really tuning into, oh, my God, I I really could lose him. And there were a couple of moments of having to sit with myself and with my director and go, okay, this scene isn't quite like the dynamics, not what we had intended with the writing. What am I going to do here? But have you, have you guys ever faced something like this and then had to really 
make some major adjustments in that? And how do you how do you go about doing that? I don't have the experience with having a months long rehearsal process mm -hmm. and then having the person that you've developed so much of a history with being replaced. Mm -hmm. Even in theater, the most analogous thing that I could think of is when you when you're shooting and this is not nearly as as close to to what you're you're talking about as you would like which is when you have a certain preconception about how a scene is supposed to go when you're about to shoot it and then you walk on set and the, the actor that has been cast opposite you mm -hmm. in the scene is doing it in a completely different way than mm -hmm. you thought yeah. than your understanding of the scene is. Yeah. And then you need to adjust to that. Yeah. It's challenging, isn't it? Uh, depending on how invested you are, or how, what, what the stakes are for you in that, you really have to do that thing that we preach in the Meisner work, which is, you know, deal with what you've been given, right? You That's prepare right. yourself for the circumstances as you understand them and what you hope will happen and know, know what that is. And then you have to deal with what you're given. And it was, it was a, at times, sad or sorrowful experience for me as I experienced it from the character's perspective. Um, yeah. And then for me to really say, okay, I, I may be telling a slightly different story than I anticipated telling here. And I, and I have to accept that. The main thing is, is a huge thing happened. Someone left and someone else came in. That's yeah. always going to be a, an adjustment. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a huge reminder that, which is what I tell people when I, particularly coaching in, in, in classroom, it's different. It's like, just understand this stuff and practice it. And where with coaching, it's like, okay, good. But you know what? This isn't a finished performance. Mm -hmm. This is, this is an understanding that you're taking with you and it's loosely bound together. Mm -hmm. And you ha now have to give yourself over to the director, to the other actors, to the set, because that can often have a big adjustment yeah. on you, and not just the set and the day. So everything, you know, it's a good opportunity to remind ourselves that nothing is ever set. You may have ideas which are fine, but they're loosely bound, and it's more a, a way of operating rather than a way of, you know, a prescription. Mm -hmm. And it might actually be for the adver adverse, yeah. you know, your experience, it sounded like it kind of got away from you a little bit, but it's kind of, what do you do? You either, you've either got to go with it or push up against it. Yeah. And I think the latter is more disastrous. I yeah. think, you know, it may not be as you want it to be, but at least it's of a type. Well, you have to, you have to craft it truthfully because, because the audience knows. Right. Right. And right. so then the director said in the, in the test screenings, everybody loves your character so much. I'm going to have to edit a couple of the scenes out because we need to balance out how they feel about the two of you in the storyline. I mean, ultimately, it's the story, right? The film, as the audience sees it, they aren't seeing the film that you're filming. Mm -hmm. They don't know the history or what is missing or what should have been. Mm -hmm. The film that you had in your head of what it was supposed to be, what that relationship was supposed to be, isn't what the audience is seeing. That's right. They don't know. And so by letting go of what you think is supposed to be there, mm -hmm. to a certain extent, although I will caveat that, you allow what is there to to really be f as full as it can be. Mm -hmm. Now, the the caveat is that I think it's fair, and I think you said this, Gary, and you probably said this as well, Andrea, is that you, if you're feeling upset or you're feeling the loss of what you think should be there, that can be there too. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Right. If That's you, right. if in the, if in the moment you are acting with the other actor yes. and you're hurt because the other actor isn't doing what you think that they should be doing, mm-hmm. then that's okay to feel that too. Yeah. And to let that reverberate. I think it's, it's only when you try to stuff down what is happening in deference to what you think should be happening. I've said that I think five or six times throughout our, our recordings, but I think that's when you get into trouble. Mm-hmm. When you accept what is happening, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But the audience, you know, and it's good that he edited it out. Yes. He, it's good that you, I think any, anyone, any director always adjusts mm-hmm. what, uh, what the story actually is based on what they actually capture and how this and how it actually works. Yes. That's the editing process. Yes. That is the third <laughs> telling of the story. The first time is the script. Yes. The second time is the production. And the third time is editing. Yes. And that's just how it works on camera. Right. So my other quick story, this is an actor's craft choice moment. I had to come home uh, from work in the storyline. And at work, I discovered that I was not pregnant. So I needed to come mm. home. And I knew that my marriage was on the line at this point. And um, in the scene, he picks up that something's off with me and asks about it. Hmm. So I struggled with the scene a little bit. I struggled with the scene because I, I felt that I needed to have that in me so that he would have something to work off of and be able to do his job as an actor. So I did the best I could. And on the drive home, that damn drive home that we all have after castings and shoots, and we're like, oh, <laughs> God. Darn it, why didn't I do that? That's what that meant. This is what I should have done. (laughs) On the way home, I came up with the perfect solution to it. So what would your solution have been? Go. Okay. So you're talking about your emotional preparation in terms of where you've just come from. Yes. Okay. So the first thing I'd say to you then is, why is that not working? Mm. Why do you feel, in what way do you feel that that is not enough? Mm. Because I felt I was, in some level, I felt I was pushing and it, it wasn't, organically easy okay and what emotion were you going let's pretend we're in class now Mm -hmm. what emotion were you going after i wanted him to be able to see it in my body see what that i that i'd gotten my period while i was at work and that we were not pregnant okay and what were you using for that i suppose i was probably i mean the whole storyline meant something to me i didn't have to necessarily create as ifs or go into other spaces to have it resonate with me mm-hmm. um it was very personal to me at the time so if i was if you were to sum up how you felt right now and you could tell me okay you got to transport yourself back there but let's mm-hmm. say if i'd have asked you then how do you feel right now before you even came into the scene what what sentence would you give me I feel I feel like my body is like sludge. I feel like I'm about to, you know, I mean, mm. vis- viscerally. I would right. ask you viscerally, how do you feel? Right. At the time, probably like sludge and devastated. Okay. So I'd get, I'd get you to get a hold of that viscerally. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, instead of emotionally preparing and trying to get an emotional response, because it's a tricky one what you're talking about, because that seems to be a state. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of a, an, a, a physical state right? rather than an emotional. So it's about perhaps boiling it down to one thing. Mm-hmm. 
and then really en- entering into that. And I would get you to act it out. I would get you to physicalize it. You know, you talked about it's similar, but it's not the same thing, but it has carries the same principles. Your fantasy moment you talked about in mm. terms of getting character. Mm-hmm. I would probably go the other way. If an actress is not firing emotionally by internal work, mm-hmm. I try and get them to do something sort of physical to get it out of them almost to throw it out of them mm-hmm. does, does that make yes, sense it does, it does. begin with a visceral as visceral as possible explanation of how you're feeling or meant to feel mm-hmm. or the character is feeling whatever whichever way you want to look at it and then begin to try and live that out physically and behaviorally without even necessarily feeling it yeah mm-hmm. i agree yeah probably i mean it, it kind of it kind of depends on how much time you have to do this mm-hmm. because the, I'm going to do the emotional preparation and sit there. Like you were talking about with the actress in, in the show, you're going to prepare for a half hour beforehand and sit there and kind of get the, um, what is that called? When, when you whip yourself, right? Flagellation. To, to, to self-flagellate. <laughs> yourself into this emotional state when, you know, if you have the time and you have the stamina, I guess you could do that, but you could also just do the behaviors, Mm -hmm. which in certain actors will look presentational, but you can also use the external, but like, just like what Gary said, you can use the external behavior Mm -hmm. to open up. And just, if you're doing the external behavior, Mm -hmm you will start to feel it on the inside. Oh, yes. So that's what I came up with essentially for myself on the way home. I was like, now, Andrea, you've done this long enough, darling. Why did you not figure out? You don't need to telegraph anything to him. He's got to do his own job over there on the other side of the table, number (laughs) one. Yeah. Um, Number two, that's not how life works. Number three, why don't you just remember to do the doing? So, if the first moment it, I mean, do you want him to see it? No, you come in and you do the opposite. Darn it. You just come yeah. in and you try and hide everything and make it look like it was the best day ever at work. And in trying to pull off that lie, it's going to be all over your face and the scene will be done. <laughs> yeah. So if I had just focused on come in. I know how I feel about this thing, left, right, and center. I've studied this. I've worked on this. Yeah, for you've worked on I it. You've done the work, so you got to let go of it. Down. So let it go. And guess what? Just do the thing, which is to pretend everything was okay at work today. Yeah. Then it's done. That was the thing that I knew would have been my simplest solution. Yeah. Yes. The other thing is, you know, w- when you were talking about your castmate that got replaced, yeah. if what you have inside is, fuck, this preparation isn't working mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, a shitty actor and I'm, <laughs> you know, whatever. If that's what you have inside, <laughs> then that's, right? that's a legitimate thing to come in with <laughs> and just, just have that be there. Right. You know, it's maybe not as deep as... I failed to get pregnant when this was my last hope or whatever it is. But if you really dig into how shitty it feels to fail as an actor, when you put all this work in that could, you know, that's a, there's a sense of loss there too. If you really commit to it. Um, what I tell my students is that, you know, the ideal of 
feeling everything and living everything out and having everything be motivated is great when you're in class. And when you're in in a classroom situation or a process-oriented situation, then yeah, if you're not feeling it, then then you might want to work on it and you might want to delve into it. But when it's in a production-oriented situation, you might just have to fake it. Right. Fake it till you make it. (laughs) And the excuse of, well, I wasn't being motivated, so I didn't do anything, is not a valid excuse when you're on set. Mm -hmm. You have to just make it work. Absolutely. And just like what you came up with, Andrea, if you've been diligent about preparing and you've been diligent about all of the work that you've put in to opening yourself up and being vulnerable and all of this stuff that we've talked about, about preparation in general, not just preparation for that specific role, then if you just fake it, you're going to click in. Something will happen. And so I think giving yourself a break is also a valid way to go. Yeah. Taking that big breath is 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 not to be underestimated, the power of that. Absolutely. And just to add to that, to finish off, is particularly with internal, emotional internal work, which it often is, actors can get bound up in that because when they're not getting it, they make the mistake of pursuing it and making more effort to, to try and get it. The mm-hmm. more the, the little mouse is going to go back in its mouse hole mm-hmm. and it, because, you know, inspiration doesn't work like that. And I think it's also knowing that you can invite a shift. And I think if you have a problem and you're getting stuck, particularly with emotional preparation or preceding circumstances where you're changing yourself emotionally into an emotional state that you feel is required and it's not happening, then move on to something else. Either you Mm -hmm. want and fake it or you invite a shift in some way by saying out, you know, even by just banging your head against the wall. It's about not getting stuck in that thing and inviting some kind of shift, whether it's a recognition of going, I'm absolute, I'm going to play the opposite. I'm absolutely fine where I am. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, uh, as Brian said, you know, going, you know what, I'm going to fake this moment, but at least I will have pushed through and the rest of the moments will happen and I will be giving my partner what they need in, in any case. Yeah. yeah. And I think that comes from experience and also not having just one way of doing something. Right. Yeah. I think you've got to know that, you know what, if I'm not getting angry by my preparation that has always worked for me because I'm imagining someone doing something or betraying me in a certain way and it's not working today, then you know what, I've got one minute before I walk on stage or I've got, the, they're, they're, they're just about, you know, they're saying camera rolling. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to kick the wall maybe or I'm just going to, you know, just move my arms like I'm punching someone and then I'm going to go into it just to invite a shift, you know. For sure. hundred percent. Okay. So, so very, very quickly, let's just have like a few sentences each. Sure. What have you experienced this week that you want to turn other people on to? Andrea, go ahead. Oh gosh. Oh, I had something before. Uh, Gary, go ahead. Um, yeah. Uh, this week I have, uh, as I've probably mentioned before, I'm a huge fan of Ingmar Bergman, one of my favorite film directors, obviously not if you want a comedy, but Scenes from a Marriage is a fantastic, heartbreaking, brutal, brutally honest um, expose of marriage or at least relationships. And these two actors who are, there's just two actors in it for about four or five hours. It it was originally a TV series, but they also brought it down into a, a sort of film of about four hours. Just two actors 
and it rivets you all the way through. And it is a real journey into the soul of a man and a woman when relationships aren't going well and the whole nature of it. So um, if you want something pretty deep and intense, uh, you'll come away kind of, you know, uh, changed. But scenes from a marriage Ingmar Bergman is my tip for the week. Awesome. Andrea. Great tip. I don't have a tip this week um, other than, you know, stay cool and um, keep creating. <laughs> no, I really okay. don't have a tip. We're watching uh, a lot of Blacklist and James Spader is awesome, but uh, yes. that's, that's it. That's all I got. How does he learn all oh, of those I know, lines? I know. <laughs> um, awesome. Uh, for me, I highly recommend, I might have said it before, but I'll say it again. Perry Mason on HBO. Matthew Reese is fantastic. The entire cast is fantastic. And, uh, and I really, really highly recommend it. It's great writing. And so check it out. Perry Mason on HBO. So if you guys have topics for us that you'd like to hear us talk about, if you have questions for us that have come up in your work or in your training, please get in touch. Let us know. We're at Vagabond Actors on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We would love to hear what you guys have to say, what, you, what you're thinking about, what you're experiencing these days. Definitely get in touch. We'd love it if you like, subscribe, leave a review on Podbean or on iTunes or Spotify. That really helps us out. And if you want to get in touch with us as individuals, I am Brian Casp. I'm at Brian Casp on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, I believe. Gary, where can people get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at Gary Condes. Andrea, where can people get in touch with you? I am on Instagram at Andrea Helene three and Twitter at Andrea underscore Helene. Awesome. So thank you guys very much for joining us and uh, join us next week for another exciting topic. Who knows what it will be. Ooh. Whoa.